What have we learned about finding people with the right stuff to be high school and middle school agriculture teachers? Is it a new problem or one that we have faced for years? Reviewing the trends around the shortage of agriculture teachers. That's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Chris Eck from Oklahoma State University, welcome to Owl Pellets. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Chris, we really appreciate you come talk to us. And today, boys and girls, we get to have a history lesson. Woo! Woohoo! Everybody knows that listens to this podcast know that my cohorts give me a hard time all the time about how much I like history and to know that sort of things. So I'll try not to, to geek out too much as we talk about the history. Uh, Mike is here with us to keep us all on the straight and narrow uh, so that we don't go too far into that. It's going to take more than one of me. <laughs> <laughs> but thank goodness there is just one of you because two microtalics would just be too much. I second that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, get us back on the right path here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what we're going to be talking about here today. So, uh, again, my name is Chris Eck. I'm with uh, Oklahoma State University in the Agricultural Education Department. And uh, today what we're really going to be talking about and looking at is kind of a historical trend of the teacher shortage in agricultural education and kind of what that has looked like over the past 50-plus years and why that's important to you as an ag teacher. What? There's a teacher shortage in agriculture? What? Is this breaking news? Breaking news. News flash. <laughs> it's real news, not fake news. Not fake news. <laughs> So what what do you find? Is this a new thing we're dealing with? No, it's not. It's something that, you know, actually dates all the way back to the inception of agricultural education. You know, if we think way back for you history buffs and think about the Smith-Hughes Act in 1917, there's literature out there that supports there being a shortage of ag teachers even at that point. And thinking about where these ag teachers are going to come from. Who are they? What kind of schools do they go through? What type of training do they have? And how are they going to be best suited to prepare our students for a future related to agriculture, at least being knowledgeable about agriculture? Yeah, I think that's too, you know, again, I will, I'll bring my nerdy side out. Even before, prior to Smith Hughes, we talk a lot about ag ed started before Smith Hughes. There are reports back in the late 1890s about wondering where we're going to find these people to be ag to teach agriculture in the schools, And so some could say that agricultural education actually started with a teacher shortage, trying to figure out where all these folks are going to come from. We've never caught up. So, wow. Yes, there was a need, need for ag teachers, but nobody knew who they were, how to identify them, or where they were going to come from. Cool. So what kind of trends did you find as you look through all this that kind of help us inform our conversation today and things that we need to be thinking about? So this, this study really kind of focused on the annual supply and demand studies that are done looking at the number of teachers that teacher preparation institutions prepare in any given year and also the number of teachers that are needed across the country in agricultural education programs, both middle school and high school programs. And we found, you know, some variation over the years, but 
in the main, there's been about every six out of every 10 teachers that we prepare in teacher preparation programs at the university level actually take a job in the profession. And when we dug a little bit deeper and actually tried to put like a real percentage or a real number on that, the 51-year average was 56.4% of the teachers that we prepare actually enter the teaching profession right out of college. I'm glad that you shared that with me because anecdotally, I've said that for several years, just on my observation here at Iowa State, that roughly half of the students that go through our teacher ed program, student teach and graduate, will go into the classroom and the other half end up in business and industry. So I'm sure there's other programs, but uh, it, it certainly does have an implication for the number of uh, teachers and that we need to, our students we need to put through our teacher ed uh, preparation programs and, and prepare, knowing that we're going to see that many uh, people do that. And, and, and it, it certainly it probably makes some sense because I have business and industry tell me all the time about how valuable of the degree that ag education degree is and the skill set that students have. So there is a lot of competition because of the types of students that uh, we attract and how we train them and how we prepare them for that type of field. Yes, we, we definitely give them a, a broad spectrum of skills before they leave, leave our programs, which is great and definitely prepares them for the classroom. But like you said, prepare, prepares them for a lot of industry type jobs as well. And when we think about this and, you know, we think about this word shortage and what does that really mean? You know, it's, it's really a good problem that we currently have because this shortage is, is not only due to not all of the students that we prepare into the profession, but we see a lot of states that are opening new programs, are expanding the number of teachers and programs, going from single teacher to multi-teacher. We're, ex- we're seeing the expansion of middle school programs across the country. So not only are not all of our teachers entering the profession, but we have more and more programs that are opening across the country, which is a great thing for agricultural education when we think about it on the broad spectrum. We have the potential to influence and prepare more and more students for to be agriculturally literate citizens when we think about the broader impact of what agricultural education does at that secondary level. Yeah, and I think um, not only are there more programs and what you mentioned there, but I think the program, those programs as well as our current programs are probably even getting more and more diverse, which uh, has some challenges and implications to the retention of teachers and, and the preparation of teachers and, and those issues. Yes, it, it definitely does. You know, when we think about diversity as, as it relates to the communities and the programs and the classrooms, you know, we really have to think about what that looks like. And one thing that's really interesting as we look at these supply and demand studies over, the, over time is, you know, we were initially a predominantly male profession. And we have now actually swung to where we're about 51% female ag teachers across the country. Um, you know, so we're at a point now where there's, there's much more gender diversity um, than what we used to see in ag ed classrooms, and both from the teacher standpoint and the student standpoint. Mm-hmm. So one of the things whenever we talk about the teacher shortage or supply and demand, I usually get myself in trouble. So this, this, is, I'm, this, is, this is my warning and disclosure that I'm probably about to get into trouble with what I'm about to say. But, you know, we look at this, this opportunity and all of our conversations are about how do we get enough ag ed graduates, you know, new students to go into there. But with the trends happening with careers and people changing careers so much time, what are we doing as a profession, do you think, to help people come in like as a second career? 
you know, people who already have a bachelor's or maybe even a master's degree in some other kind of an area that have been a successful business person or a successful some other job. And after eight or 10 years somewhere else, because I think that's what the research tells us, that people are changing careers after about five to seven years. They want to come back in to teaching and teach for five to seven years and then jump back out again. Where, where do you see anything about us? How, how do we help people in that kind of a trend as kind of people's career decision trend, you know, kind of change a little bit? Yeah, you know, that, that's an interesting question, because as we think about it, you know, historically, graduates of agricultural education, teacher preparation programs have been the major source of ag teachers across the country. But we're slowly seeing that change, and we're seeing more and more of these teachers coming from other backgrounds or other, other sources, so to speak. Um, and, you know, some of them may have a degree in agriculture. Some of them may be science teachers or maybe coming from a different realm that, that they see the value in agricultural education and want to get involved in it. So thinking about these alternatively certified teachers and, and how we prepare them is, is really important. And I think for you know our audience listening, all of the ag teachers that are out there that have the benefit of a teacher preparation program and have that diverse training and experience you serve a pivotal role in the development of these alternatively certified teachers. When they become part of your professional network, reach out to them, help them, um, you know, extend that olive branch, so to speak, so that they have an opportunity to grow and develop and keep them in the profession. There's plenty of research out there that shows that these alternatively certified teachers can be effective and, and make this a second career and really sustain it, but they need that support structure. So we have to think about what we're doing at the university level, at the state level to offer professional development. But as ag teachers, you need to consider what you can do to help support all of these teachers as well and really help broaden the diversity, as we talked about before, of your professional network. And I think that's something that I, I encourage us. And, and now I know we're sliding into more of a critical conversation mode, maybe than the normal for these. But for state, the folks that are listening, their state leaders, whether they're state staff or maybe officers in their teacher association or whatever else. So many times we talk about new teachers, we're expecting that that person that's that's just graduated from college. And we talk about alternatively certified. These are the folks that are coming straight out of college with a degree in horticulture, or animal science. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about those that person that comes in that may have a, you know, they may be 30, 35 years old, had, had a successful career for eight to 10 years and somewhere else and have decided to go into teaching. How do we make sure they're successful and um, value the experience that they bring to us, but then also provide them the, the additional support and training that they need to be successful as well? Because they're, they're probably not, I mean, when you're at that, you know, you've had a successful career, you're probably not going to go back and get another bachelor's degree in a teacher ed program. So how do, how do we, our roles and responsibilities as state leaders at universities and in teacher organizations to help, to help support them, to help address this, this whole, the whole issue to make sure there's enough ag teachers out there. So I think we just need to be thinking about, you know, what, what are their needs and, and how can we identify what those needs are? And then think about that purposeful professional development for them, whether that be through, like I said, professional development opportunities on a local or state level, but also potentially through master's degree programs that are maybe offered through a distant type platform for these teachers to be able to get that pedagogical content knowledge that they may not have, because they may have more ag content knowledge than, than some of our graduates, but don't necessarily understand the teaching component of it. 
or maybe it's more in the FFA and SAE component that we need to think about that professional development. I think it varies individual to individual and really being able to think about and identify those characteristics that are necessary for them to be effective in the classroom is important when we think about this shortage and and where they're coming from. And we've seen an increase year after year um, of the number of alternatively certified teachers entering the profession. Um, And so we just have to think about what we're going to do. They're not going anywhere. This is something that we've seen in, in this historical trend for 50 plus years since these supply and demands have been conducted. And so we, like you said, we really need to think about what the best thing is for us to do. And when I think about that, I think about really needing to identify the needs necessary for that individual and then have that purposeful professional development or purposeful coursework that is available to them to be able to develop and help sustain them in the classroom. Because a big piece of this whole shortage topic is the retention of teachers. Yes, us preparing them is is important and having them enter the classroom, but for us to retain them in the classroom, they need to be able to feel competent, feel comfortable, um, you know, and that's part of that is is having that professional network and and feeling that they have what it takes to meet the needs of their students. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with that retention too is is understanding. This is where I usually get myself in trouble. Is that we're not preparing people for a thirty year career anymore. I mean, there'll be a few people that do that, but we're preparing people. And, and again, I'd rather have an outstanding person being a great ag teacher for first, you know, five to seven years. Um, and, you know, they're going to do that for a while and then st- still jump out and then maybe jump back in later on in their life, depending on family situation or their careers or whatever else. And so how do we help our students? Because I, I, I know I have a lot of conversations with folks and say, I don't want to be an ag teacher for all my life. I'd love to be an ag teacher for five, seven, 10 years but I also want to go do this for 10 years and do that for 10 years. And so they're afraid to come to just to get the preparation up front um, to do that because they're afraid oh, that's all I'm going to be able to do. So how do we, we got to change that narrative as well and really do a better job system wide to help teachers come in and out of the profession more seamlessly. Um, and so they can be successful the first year as well as whatever year they're in and the, and the students are still successful as well. I would agree. And I, I think that's some great points there, Brian. You know, we really just have to think about what we're doing to best serve these teachers, regardless of, of their pathway. And instead of looking, frowning upon or looking down upon, you know, these other experiences, or like you said, teaching for three to five years, and then maybe you leave for 10, and then maybe you decide to come back. Um, those industry experiences and things like that bring such value to the classroom and really provide some relevance to the students that are in the programs across the country. And so one of the interesting things in this kind of historical study is thinking about where all these teachers came from, you know, and, and like I said before, the, the graduates of agricultural education programs are the predominant force, but we also have to consider teachers that are returning, that, they, that are former ag teachers that were traditionally certified that are reentering the classroom. Maybe their students, you know, we talked about this, six and 10 that actually enter the profession. Well, of those other four, sometimes a couple years down the road, you know, they have three, five, seven years of experience in industry and decide, you know what, now I think I want to go teach. And so we have a percentage of them that are coming into the classroom. And although they had the, the training at the college level to be an ag teacher, it's been five, seven, 10 years removed. And so they have some background in it, but they need some support there too. 
So thinking about where these are coming from and what that means. And, you know, I mean, even another aspect of it is thinking about teachers that are moving from school to school or state to state. The needs are different in each community. The needs are different in each state. So how do we support them in all these roles or all these different points within their career? Because like you said, it's, it's less and less that we're seeing teachers that are in the profession for 30 plus years that, that remain in it the whole time. And with this next generation that seems to be coming through, they seem to like to do something for three to five years and then go find something else for a little while. And so thinking about how we help them to be the most effective they can during that time and support that structure is, I think, going to be vital in the future of our success in agricultural education. Yeah, one of those areas that causes me to think about based upon the the comments there, uh, Chris, is uh, onboarding of teachers. And I think they're, you know, if we're, we're talking about uh, school district administrations as well as uh, state associations, professional associations on the ag teacher side, I think there's a role that we certainly could play on, on easing that transition and helping with the onboarding of and, and getting them up to speed in what they need to um, do in order to be effective as a, as a teacher. I, I would agree. And, you know, we see in a lot of states across the country, there, there are some type of first year teacher induction program that exists, but they have what they consider first year teachers in there, but depending on their route to teaching, their needs may be different. And those are really designed for first year teachers who came in with all the necessary credentials and not these first year teachers coming from industry or these first year teachers who taught for five years, 10 years ago, but are new to the districts are required to come to first year training. So thinking about what that onboarding looks like and how we can provide some variation to that based on the needs of the teachers in that given community, I think would be very valuable um, in helping to make them feel comfortable and feel like they have a good shot at, at being successful in the classroom. One of the common themes, and and it probably isn't a surprise that I saw um, in your, in your work and and paper that you uh, uh, published was report after report throughout the years, it was a common theme that recruitment and retention were issues. And the narrative was, we got to figure out how to retain. And we've talked a little bit about the retention pieces. But we, I think we also need to uh, get more creative and, and around the recruitment piece. You know, Brian and both of you talked a little bit earlier about changing that narrative. I think that's a huge issue uh, that we could certainly change that narrative. And then certainly, um, challenging our ag teachers to think about um, how they present their career to their students and the type of images and the type of uh, um, uh, uh, challenges that, uh, you know, a, a high school sophomore or junior sitting in class thinking, yeah, this would be a lot of fun, but then they hear a teacher talk negatively about the profession or what they have to do and the workload and the work-life balance. And then all of a sudden, by the time they're a senior, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to teach and I'm going to go a different direction. Yeah, Mike, I think that's a really interesting point. You know, it, it always kind of catches me a little bit when we think about, you know, the AFNR pathways that we, you know, teach across the country and we think about all the different career pathways that we talk about as ag teachers and all these different agricultural careers that we promote. We never promote the career, career of being an agricultural educator. That's not one of the pathways. That's not something that we promote. We don't promote our own profession. 
I've argued that so, for a long time. Yep. So, so what does that mean? And, and how do we change the narrative on that, so to speak? And, you know, recruitment has been something that's, that's been an issue, you know, ever since before the, the Smith Hughes Act, as we identified before, and, and who these teachers are and where they come from. And most commonly, the, the folks coming into ag ed programs as teachers came from an ag ed and FFA background. They have that experience. But there's also a place for people that did not come from that background. Myself, I did not have an ag ed program or FFA chapter in the high school I went to. Um, I was not actually introduced to ag ed or FFA till I was in college and got interested in, in the profession then and, and have moved, moved through it since. Um, but so for me, I didn't know it was something that even existed. So when we think about this recruitment piece, Part of it, I think, is trying to recruit from other areas. You know, we, we commonly recruit from the ag classroom, but what about students that are in some type of STEM program or a science classroom or a math classroom that may be thinking about education and having an interest in education, but not sure what content area they want to teach? If they knew the great opportunities related to ag education and all the fun things we get to teach and the hands-on opportunities we provide for students, it may provide more students coming into our programs that have an interest in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And call me crazy. I was thinking about this earlier, even on the altern- alternatively certified teacher route. Why aren't we at uh, National Farm Bureau or the Corn Growers Association or uh, pick an organization that you would have young leaders in and uh, other professionals there? And why aren't we there having a conversation about those that we're always on the edge and are still teetering, but haven't had that little probe to help them. Certainly that might be an opportunity to start filling some gaps in and recruit in some areas that we haven't even given any consideration to. I I think that's a great point. You know, if you kind of flip that up, you think about our national FFA convention, all those organizations are there recruiting our students. So we should probably be at, at their conventions too, thinking about trying to recruit some of them to, to think about a career as an ag educator. Yep. It's a great conversation. Appreciate uh, you being a part of this, Chris. I think it just reiterates the fact that we are, we're all in this thing together, like we said, and we've, we've got to be working. In, and, and again, the role of each individual teacher, each person listening to this podcast, you play a role in this, in recruiting other people to become teachers, to, to reaching out and supporting those that are teachers, it's not just the state leadership or the state staff to do this. One thing I looked up before we got we started doing the podcast is because I was curious. I think this is important to help us in the in the context when we're talking to administrators and and other school leaders. We've got about ten thousand ag teachers in the entire country. I looked up real quick, and this is from the U.S. Department of Education. They estimate about one point five million science teachers in the U.S and 1.8 million math teachers. So again, just talk about the, the difference in size and scope between all of the math and science teachers in the country compared to all the ag teachers. We need to be able to you know, talk about that when we go in and working with our state legislatures to provide support for more ag teachers as well as different school administrators. So that Because if we don't say that, they're not gonna see us. And so it's really, really important that we keep making sure that we, we keep bringing this to, to those folks. And again, it's gonna take all of us to make that happen. I I would agree. And, you know, a a lot of times we consider ag teachers to be the front line for educating future agriculturalists and increasing the likelihood of agricultural literate citizens. 
And so if that's truly what we believe and, and what we're trying to push, then recruiting new teachers, retaining current teachers, broadening this pool, and growing our profession across the country has to be a priority moving forward. Well, I look forward to everybody engaging in the infographic and online and the resource roundup about this topic. It's, it's one that's going to, I think we're going to continue to be talking about for a, a lot of years. Chris, thanks so much for the, for the conversation and sharing your great work with us today on Owl Pellets. Thanks for having me. It's been a great time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.